So we're going to do um, a message today called There Is No Fence. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been doing this series called uh, Principles. And in the series Principles, what we're, what we're doing is we're talking about our DNA or our culture or our values as a church. But this time would be kind of meaningless if we were just talking about our DNA or values as a church. That doesn't really matter very much. What matters is, is our culture, our values, and our DNA in our own lives. And so at Fellowship Church, we developed um, these 10 DNA statements that are intentionally cheesy, just so they're easy to remember. But they're values that are biblical that we want to live by and adhere to. And I don't know if some of you've um, joined Trina on Sundays and watched some of those messages, but the first one we looked at was this idea that we're the Coast Guard, not the Yacht Club. Did any of you guys hear that message? Or we're the Coast Guard, not the Yacht Club. Then we looked at this one. Um, that if you are saved, you serve. Uh, we then looked at one that was uh, called the strangest one of all is we are water buffaloes. And I'll, I'm going to share here in Oklahoma some more about that during our lunch today. But we are water buffaloes. And I don't know if any of you guys saw that message, but there's pretty awesome video of a, of a crazy encounter with water buffaloes and lions uh, in South Africa. And then we talked about we choose fun. We are for this generation, and uh, then we talked last week, the message was we do more by doing less, and then today in Oklahoma, we're going to look at this concept, there is no fence, um, and then next week in Oklahoma, you're going to be looking at this idea that we ride waves and roll with punches, and so the idea of there is no fence, um, have any of you guys ever heard that phrase, there is no fence, or there's no fence to sit on, anybody ever heard that before? Kind of this idea, like you got to make up your mind to do one thing or the other. You can't sit on the fence. And this idea of you're not able to sit on the fence. Um, so I was trying to think of some examples because it's a phrase we don't really use a lot anymore. But this idea of there being no fence, typically people choose one thing or the other. So um, Pepsi and Coke. How many of you are Pepsi? Out of there? Anybody Pepsi? Nobody here is Pepsi. Coke. Okay, everybody's Coke here. So Pepsi, I like Pepsi better. Uh, Coca-Cola from Mexico, though, is, is better than Pepsi or uh, Coke here in the U.S. They use a different kind of sugar. So uh, Pepsi or Coke. Uh, there's also in Oregon, it might be you are an Oregon State University Beavers fan or you're a University of Oregon Ducks fan. And Oklahoma, you guys have similar rivalries. And so there's, you know, there's no fence. And football is way bigger here than it is in Oregon. So there, there's no fence. You've got to choose one or the other. So you guys get that concept that there, there is no fence. And so um, though the value for our church is like, you got to make a decision to be all in about something. And so I'm going to read the actual statement. And keep in mind, we're not going to be talking about it in regards to church, but I'm going to read the statement in regards to church. And it's this statement that says that there is no fence to sit on here. We stand behind the leaders like Trina, uh, the vision, and if we're here, we're all in, and if we're not all in, we're not here. But again, we don't want to talk about church today, because ultimately church can't save anybody. Uh, church doesn't make you a Christian. Um, church is not responsible for your faith, and church ultimately isn't the thing you're supposed to be committed to. Uh, we're supposed to be committed to Christ. And so I want to talk today about the fact that there's no fence when it comes to Jesus, because with Jesus, there is no fence. So you got to make a decision 
in things like Pepsi or Coke. Uh, is it Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State Sooners? The Sooners, yeah. OSU and OU. Yeah, OSU or OU. Got to make a decision. You, you can't usually be just for, for both. You got to make a decision, one or the other. And so with Jesus, you're either all in, or if you're not all in, you're not really with him. He, he wants all of us. And so this is what Jesus wants. Jesus does not want second place in your life. Jesus doesn't want part of our lives. How many of you have your kids eat in like a plate that has sections, a plastic plate that has a section for like potatoes, peas, chicken, catfish? Um, you, you have all these things separate, um, but how many of you like to mix the food together? Does anybody mix the food together? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You, that's wrong to do that. <laughs> you got you to gotta keep those foods separate. And so Jesus doesn't want just a part. Like, and that's how we treat our relationship with Jesus. We treat it like, here's our part of our life for work. Here's the part of our life for school. Here's the part of our life for our family. Here's the part of our life for Netflix or Among Us or The Bachelor and this little, this little teeny piece here is for, is for Jesus. And so Jesus doesn't want to be uh, delegated to a little part of your plate. He, he actually wants to encompass the entire thing. He wants all of us, not just our leftovers, not just our free time. He wants all of our time. So Jesus really gave it all for us. He gave it all for us. And because of that, Jesus really demands everything of us. So if you guys have a Bible or want to turn in your app to Matthew chapter 4, and we have here in-house, Matthew 4 will be on the screen. And if you're online watching this, it'll be on the screen. If you're in Salem, this will be on the screen for you to look at as well. But Matthew 4, 18 through 22, it says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, Simon's brother. They were casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. And Jesus said to these men, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And verse 20 is the important part. It says, immediately they left their nets and they followed Jesus. And going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and they were in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets because they were fishermen too. And Jesus called James and John, and immediately James and John left the boat. They left their father, and they followed Jesus. And so when Jesus asks people to follow him, uh, he expects them to jump in. He expects them to jump out of the boat and go. He expects us to leave everything behind, and he requires us to follow him. He wants us to let go of anything that would hold us back. And so here Jesus approaches these four guys who were fishermen, and they weren't just like fishermen for hobbies. Um, they were actually, this was their job. They fished in the Sea of Galilee. They made their living with fish. And these guys, we read this story, and we kind of think they're probably like poor guys who are fishing, but they were probably like middle-class workers they had a, a boat, which would have been incredibly expensive, and nets and gear, which would have been expensive. And so they caught um, all of these fish. And in fact, if you read the other Gospels, it said that their entire boats were filled with fish when Jesus asked them to follow. And they just left all of it behind to follow. They left their boat. They left their fish, the nets. James and John left their dad. They left the family business. They left their money, their livelihood. 
They, they left it all. And so there was no fish for them. If they wanted to follow Jesus, they had to be all in because there was no, no fence at all. If they weren't all in, they couldn't follow Jesus and be a fisher of man like Jesus had actually told them they would be. So they would have to drop everything and follow him or they wouldn't. So they, they left it all behind. They couldn't keep those things and follow Jesus because there was no fence. Um, we'll look at another passage in Matthew, Matthew 9. So Matthew 9, verse 9, uh, this is the account of Jesus calling another disciple named Levi, who we know as Matthew, and he was a tax collector. So Matthew 9, 9 says, as Jesus passed on from there, this is now much time later, so as he passed on from where he was, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth because he was a tax collector. And he said to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. So there was no fence for Matthew. Jesus actually, if you notice, when he calls James and John and when he calls Peter and Andrew, he actually says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But when Jesus calls Matthew, he doesn't promise him anything. He doesn't say, follow me and I'll make you a tax collector of men. He doesn't say, follow me and I'm going to make you a leader, make you great, make you a teacher. He just says, follow me. That's it. No promise. And Matthew was all in without even knowing what he was in for. Jesus didn't promise him anything. But Matthew left everything uh, to follow the promise of Jesus that he didn't even know. So what did he leave? He left money. He left uh, safety. If he would have left this job, he was working for the Roman Empire. They could have went after him. Uh, he was leaving his booth that he collected taxes, his business, his career, his comfort, and his safety. He left all those things to follow Jesus. Matthew couldn't keep all those things and follow Jesus because there was no fence. And so Matthew was all in. And if he wasn't all in, then he wasn't actually with Jesus. So here we have James, John, Peter, Andrew, Matthew. And I want to look at a couple other guys that were not all in with Jesus. Some guys that when Jesus called them, they thought that they could sit on the fence. And we're going to look at Matthew again. Matthew chapter 8, verse 19 through 22. Matthew 8, 19 through 22. It'll be on the TV behind me, be on your app. It'll be on the screen that you're watching on now or um, in Salem. It'll be on the screens there. So Matthew 8, 19 through 22. It says, A scribe came to Jesus and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus is basically saying, if you really want to follow me, um, we might have to sleep on the floor. We, we, might, we might have to sleep on the rug at Trina's house. We might have to, we might have to stay uh, outside on the ground. Um, I, I brought my wife Susan with me here today and my friend Ryan, and we're staying in a hotel down the road. And they're, they're complaining about the pillows at the hotel. Um, so like these pillows, they lose all their cushion when you sleep on them. And Jesus, if Jesus would have said, Hey, Ryan, Susan, follow me. You couldn't ask Jesus what the pillows are going to be look like, what they're going to be like. It's, you just got to deal with what you got. If you really want to follow me, it doesn't matter what the pillows are, where you're going to be sleeping. And so verse 21, it says, another of the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Have you ever heard that verse before? Like, that sounds pretty hardcore. That sounds, what? Jesus doesn't even want this guy to go to his dad's funeral. 
Um, the culture of the Near East 2,000 years ago is radically different than the culture here today. So this is not Jesus saying, disrespect your dead father. What this is, is Jesus saying, you can't wait around for your inheritance. You can't wait around for all these things to be put in order and for you to take over the family business and then you come follow me. You either follow me or you don't. You see, these guys wanted to sit on the fence. So you get this concept now. You can't sit on the fence with Jesus. This guy, Jesus, I'll follow you, but I want to stay on the fence until my dad gets buried. I'll follow you, but I want to stay on the fence because the pillow might not be cushioned enough for me. Or I'll follow you, and I, I need to stay on the fence. And Jesus says, hey, guys, um, there's no fence with me. In fact, in Matthew 12, verse 30, we won't look it up, but in Matthew 12, 30, it's in your notes on the app if you want to read it later, Jesus actually says something pretty hardcore. He says, if you're not with me, you're against me. He says, if you're not with me, you're against me. And he says, um, anything less than being all in with me, he says, you're, you're basically actually hindering my movement. You're hindering my kingdom. And so Jesus, if he would have waited around for the guy who wanted his inheritance, waited around for the guy who wanted a comfy pillow, um, that would have slowed the work of God's kingdom down. And so when Jesus says go, we got to be ready to go. There can't be a fence. We've got to be all in. And if we're not all in, we're really not here. These guys had to hop off of the fence. They had to follow him or they'd miss out on everything. And that's actually what happened. They missed out on everything that happened from there on. Matthew 19. It's a long story. We won't read it. But in Matthew 19... Jesus tells a wealthy man, the wealthy man asked Jesus, what do I need to do to go to heaven? Is basically what he asked. And Jesus says, um, obey the commandments. Now, um, if you study scripture, you know, obeying the commandments is actually not possible on our own. That we actually need Jesus to fulfill all the commandments for us and then die for us not fulfilling the commandments. And so Jesus says, okay, I'll, I'll play along. Obey all the commandments. And the guy says, oh, I'm in. I did it. I've obeyed all the commandments, which is pretty arrogant and prideful. And, um, but then the guy says, but what do I still lack? He, he knows there's something off. And Jesus challenges the man and he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Sell all your possessions and give to the poor. And then come and follow me. Now, a lot of times we'll say, well, does Jesus want me to sell all my stuff? give everything to the poor and follow him? Not necessarily. This is, a, this is a moment where Jesus asked this guy to do this one thing, and the guy actually can't do it. And the Bible actually says that the man went away sad. He went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. So Jesus says, hey, um, you want to know what it takes to get into the kingdom of God? If you want to know that, if you want to do that, you've got to follow me. And the guy's like, but I can't because I've got all this stuff and I need to take all this stuff with me. And Jesus says, you, you can't take it with you. And how many of you guys have known people who've tried to just accumulate so much stuff, um, but then when they die, they don't get to bring that stuff with them. There's that old phrase that says, you, know, you can't bring a U-Haul to the cemetery. You can't bring your stuff with you. And it's so sad when you actually look back in time at... Um, cultures and religions like the ancient Egyptians. They, they buried themselves with literally board games and wealth and riches and food and even their pets. 
because they wanted to take it with them, but they actually couldn't do it. And so this guy was sitting on the fence and said, Jesus, I can't follow you because I got too much stuff. And Jesus says, that stuff for you, it's going to be baggage. You actually have to get rid of it and be ready to follow me. So there's no fence with Jesus. We'll wrap this idea up here. Um, another way of looking at being no fence, we said one way is to say you're all in or you're not. Another way is to say you're hot or you're cold. Either with Jesus, you're hot or you're cold. Now, is there any weirdos here that like to take cold showers? Yeah, cold, cold shower is no fun. Like, but, but a hot shower is where it's at. And, and so with Jesus, you're either hot or you're cold. Um, sometimes you play games with kids where you'll hide something in a house and you'll tell them you're getting hotter, you're getting colder if you can't find it. So Revelation 3, this verse will be on the screen and in your notes, Revelation 3. Jesus is sending a message to um, these seven regions of Asia Minor. And there's a city called Laodicea. And in Revelation 3, Jesus is talking to the church in Laodicea. And he says to them, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. And when something's not hot or when something's not cold, what do we call it? Lukewarm. Yeah, something's not hot or cold, we call it lukewarm. Jesus said, I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And what Jesus is saying there, he's not saying um, you need to be perfect. He's letting us know he's the one that's perfect. And when we follow him with everything we've got, then we're following perfection. Jesus is not saying I want you to be cold. He's not saying I want you just to outright reject me. But what he's actually saying is that if you're just kind of in, if you're sitting on the fence and if you're wanting to drag all your stuff behind while you follow him, he actually says it's just the exact same as being cold. So if you're all in, then you're with Jesus. But if you're not all in, then you're not here. You're not with Jesus. Jesus wants it all. There is no fence. So there's a cost. There's a cost to following Jesus. And we have to get off the fence and follow him no matter what that cost actually is because the cost of following Jesus will far outweigh anything we could have ever experienced if we didn't follow him to begin with. And so it might be hard to follow Jesus, but I promise it's better to follow Jesus because it's going to outweigh what we left behind. It's going to outweigh the pain we've experienced. It's going to outweigh what we've lost. It's going to outweigh the persecution that maybe we've endured. And so look um, at another verse, Matthew 16. And this is the last verse we'll look at today. Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25. So Matthew 16, 24 and 25. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to be willing to deny the fish, the boat, the money, the tax collector's booth. You've got to be willing to let go of comfort. You've got to be willing to let go of your plans. Come and follow me. Um, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to carry your cross. You've got to be willing to lay your life down for me. You've got to be willing to share in my suffering. Even though 2020 has been a super strange year, 
we still have it pretty good. Um, I was watching a story on the news about um, dozens of people that are being killed um, in regions of Africa by terrorist groups just for being Christian. Uh, people in China going to prison just for being Christian and trying to gather together in faith. So, sure, we, we experience persecution, but we've, we've not experienced persecution at this kind of level. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you can't worry about persecution. You actually got to leave it all behind. You got to be willing to take up your cross. And a lot of us, we think, well, taking up your cross, that sounds pretty amazing. But it's not. It's, it's being willing to die. Being willing to go, and as Jesus said, drink whatever cup he drinks. To go as far as he leads you to go and to share in his suffering. It's going to cost you. It will cost you, but you can't sit on the fence with Christ. If you try to sit on the fence, if you try to save your own life, Jesus actually says you'll lose it. Jesus says if anybody finds his life, they'll lose it. Meaning if you try to go find, figure out life on your own, you're going to lose your life. It's not the life you really want. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So when you're willing to let it all go, uh, you can find exactly what he has. I admire um, our friend Trina because Trina has been willing to really jump up and go wherever God's called her. And it really was kind of wherever the military called you, right? But that was a way of God calling you from place to place to place and always being faithful and uh, always being willing to let your plans be disrupted. You know, military wives know what it's like to have your plans be disrupted, right? It's always getting shifted around, not knowing what's going on. But, you know, what's God calling you to? Um, I had a lot of great plans for my life. Uh, but ultimately, God calls us to something better. It might not be more fun. It certainly won't be more comfortable. It won't be easier. But he calls us to something greater than our greatest plans for ourselves. So Matthew 16, 25, this is where he says it. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So let's conclude. With Jesus, there's no fence. You're either for him or against him. He's either the son of God or he's not. If you're in Christ, you're all in. If you're not all in, you're not in Christ. Jesus wants everything. He wants it all. He wants you all in. He wants you in Christ. Either your entire life belongs to him or it doesn't. If you lose your entire life for him, that's actually when you'll gain it by actually following him. So you can't sit on the fence. You're either on the side of Jesus or on the side of yourself. Really just dead in your own sins and lost without him. There's no middle ground. We had to choose hop off the fence. Come to the side of Jesus. And when you come to his side of the fence, there's joy, there's life, there's fulfillment, there's purpose, and there's greater things uh, than what you could ever have on your own. So this is what Jesus says. If you imagine yourself on the fence this morning, wherever you're watching from, whatever time of the day it is, if you could actually uh, take just a second, maybe close your eyes to limit any distractions around you. You don't need to close your eyes, but it's a good way to, to focus in on, on what God's trying to say through this message. 
because I don't want you to remember anything that I shared. I want you to remember God's word. So if you find yourself saying, hey, I'm sitting on the fence. I, I, I love Jesus. I've trusted in Jesus for my salvation. I have faith in all this grace he has to give me, but I kind of keep one foot on the other side of the fence because in case this thing with Jesus doesn't work out, I need an exit plan. I need a backup plan. There is no exit plan or backup plan without Christ. If you're for Christ, you're, you're all in. So I'd encourage you today, like, maybe take that foot off the side of the fence that's not for him. Because you're either cold or you're hot. You can't be lukewarm. Sitting on the fence and not making a decision for one thing or the other, it's exactly like being on the side of the fence without him. You're not lukewarm. You're actually very cold. And so Jesus says, hop on off. Come, come to my side of the fence. Do life with me. In fact, in Matthew 11, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Yoke is like a burden, and what Jesus is actually saying is, following me is not a burden. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, he says. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. He's saying, I'll make life actually not easier, but, but, but lighter. But better to actually trust in me with all that you've got and choose the side of the fence that's not just one way or the other. He says, I'm humble. Humble yourself. Learn from me. Take my yoke on you. And here's what he promises. He says, if you do that, you'll find rest for your souls. And remember what he told Peter and Andrew? He said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And here he says, if you follow me, if you come to me, I'll give you rest for your soul. So what's keeping you on the fence about Jesus? Whatever it is, he's got something far greater in store. 1 Corinthians 2. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. I'm telling you to choose Christ, to choose him. It's, it's far better than choosing whatever it is the world has to offer, whatever it is the enemy has to offer, whatever plan your own heart has to offer. His plan's better. It's greater. His side is far better. There's far much more purpose. And you truly have not yet seen or imagined or heard what God has in store for those who love him. And so he says... Follow me. Follow me. Do you guys join me in prayer? God, I thank you for um, those gathered here today. Um, thank you again for the hospitality of Trina and Mayo and Kamira and Jalan. Bless them, God, for their faithfulness. God, if there's anyone here um, who has not yet chosen you, who, who's not even on the fence at all, but has never chosen you, would you just uh, begin to tug on their heart and, and draw them into relationship with you? 
that verse that we know most of us have heard in our lives at one point or another, John 3, 16, Jesus said, God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes won't perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes won't perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus then says, verse 17, we never say, verse 17 is, for God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so when you read through the New Testament, it says today is the day of salvation. It says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the Apostle Paul in Romans, he says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And so I encourage you, if you don't know Jesus today, would you just call on his name in your heart? Confess Jesus, your Lord, believe Jesus, your life, your death, your resurrection saves me. And that's exactly what it does. Jesus lived for you a life you couldn't live. He died for me a death that I deserve to die. And he rose again from the grave, defeating Satan, sin, hell, and death. And through his life and his death, our sins can be forgiven through his resurrection, our relationship with God can be restored. He can give us his spirit to live within us and even says everlasting life. He'll give everlasting life. I think that's what the world really wants right now. When the world is reacting in fear and, and rightful caution, when the world's reacting in fear to, to a virus, what we really want is eternal life. What we really want is everlasting life. And only Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to find that. No one comes to the Father, to God, to heaven, except through him. And so with Jesus, we're offered not just forgiveness, relationship, and the Holy Spirit, but actual everlasting life. And it's a free gift that God gives. It's not earned by religion or church attendance, or money that you give, or songs you sing, or prayers you pray. It's given freely as a gift of grace. We receive it in faith. Jesus, I trust you. Trusting in Jesus doesn't mean you've got your act together. It doesn't mean that you've got your life figured out. It doesn't mean you have the answer to all your questions. It doesn't mean that you're a great person. It means help, help, I need help. I need help, Jesus. It's just knowing that he's your only option, that you have nowhere else to go but to trust in Christ. And when you trust him and continue to trust him, he'll, he'll draw you closer, he'll challenge you, and he'll ask you daily, hey, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. I'll give you rest for your soul. And if you'd say, hey, I've trusted in Jesus, but I keep trying to live on the fence. I keep trying to just like keep one foot on on team Jesus and one foot on, on team me. Take your foot out of team me and, and put, put both feet on the side of Christ. Because whoever isn't with him is against him. And anyone who is not with him is a hindrance to what God's doing in this kingdom. So be all in. Be all in in Christ. Trust him. Say yes to him. Say yes to following him. Be willing to let go of the pillow, the money, the boat, the tax booth, the fish, the nets, whatever it is in your life that holds you back. Be willing to let go. Be willing to follow.
And he says, I'll give you rest. So God, thank you for this time today. Thank you for my friends here that I've met. God, give us great faith to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. hours of prayer 